It's showtime. Don't say it. Please, don't say it. No, I have to say it, Mitch. Showtime. Showtime! It's showtime, everybody! Showtime! Hello and welcome back to the Showtime Movie Podcast. As always, I am your host, Show. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, I know it's been a while. I think without movies or with movies being in the state that they are, I think this monthly format is probably going to work better for at least, I guess, until the new year or at least until these Oscar movies start coming out with a little more regularity. Like some are coming out soon-ish, so I'm sure we'll be talking about those movies on the podcast. Remember when I did the TIFF episode? I uh, didn't get to see Nomadland, nor did I get to see Ammonite. So I'm pretty sure those two movies are coming out uh, on video on demand, I think soon, because there's no way in hell I'm going back to a movie theater pretty, pretty much until I have a vaccine coursing through my veins for COVID-19. And that doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. So for now... We will be continuing uh, with video on demand releases. But before we get to any of the movie reviews, we'll talk about three movies today. One is more relatively a, a recent release. Um, there's some alliteration for you. And uh, the other two are from a couple, maybe a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about Sean Connery. Sir Sean Connery, uh, as I record this, he passed away earlier in the day at age 90. So I'm recording this on Halloween, October 31st, and it'll probably come out on November 1st here in Canada. But yeah, Sir Sean Connery passing away at the age of 90 um, in the Bahamas, at his home in the Bahamas, I believe is where he uh, lived. But the Scottish actor, yeah, I mean, man, Sir Sean Connery, he, like, I, I feel like when it comes to movie, movie stars, let's say, actors, celebrities, Celebrity, like, a, the idea of celebrity is something that has existed for a long time, no doubt, in virtually every industry. But I think I think the idea uh, and what it means to be a celebrity has really uh, maybe been created during the, the social media era, right? Like, since Facebook and Twitter and Instagram have been have been created, certainly the idea of what it means to be a celebrity has, has proliferated a little bit, I guess. But I, I think ultimately... You know, when you think of celebrities, you think of actors, right? And when I think of Sean Connery, I don't really think of him as a celebrity, but I do think, even though he is, obviously, but I do think of him as a movie star, if that makes sense. If I can make that distinction, that's where I would draw the line, right? Like, there are actors, and there are famous actors, and then there are movie stars, right? Like, Denzel Washington is a movie star. Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, they are movie stars, and Sean Connery is a movie star, right? And I, I suppose now we have to say was a movie star, unfortunately. But, I mean, Connery lived a, a very long and full life. He had a long and full career, right? Of course, James Bond. I mean, you can't you can't have a conversation about Sean Connery without talking about, like, Dr. No and Goldfinger. I think he was Bond for seven movies dating back to the 60s and 70s, right? And, he, I mean, he was so cool. He was cool. And he, he almost, like... It almost feels like he, along with other guys like Steve McQueen and so on, it almost feels like he invented the idea of what it meant to be cool. And I even dare say he perhaps helped the idea of the modern blockbuster. I know I know a lot of people, and I remember this when I was in school, uh, my professors in film class talking about, I know, does it surprise you that I took a film class in school? I know, I'm very pretentious, I know. But uh, uh, I, I remember my... 
professor's talking about the first blockbuster, quote-unquote, was Jaws, which I believe was released in 1975, and James Bond certainly was before that. But I, I don't think you get the modern action blockbuster without Sean Connery. I truly don't think that. And I don't think you... He paved the way for actors like the guys I mentioned, Tom Cruise, Denzel, etc., right? It's, it's kind of interesting to look back on his career. I mean, like I mentioned, Bond, the seven Bond films. Certainly Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade that came out in 1989. Uh, one of the movies I, I personally have watched... Just dozens of times. By the way, I think that's the best Indiana Jones movie. I know a lot of people say the first one is Raiders, but I, I think Crusade is the best one. Partly, in large part, because of Sean Connery, right? And remember that old story? Since we're talking about James Bond, the story of how the producers uh, of the Bond movies, or pardon me, the producers of the Indiana Jones movies, so basically Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, they basically looked at it and said, well... Who is cooler than Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones is a worldwide hit. He's a global phenomenon over the last decade. Who can we get to be his dad? Who's cooler than Indiana Jones? And their answer to themselves was James Bond. So they got Sean Connery. He did it, despite the fact that he was only 12 years older than Harrison Ford. But yeah, I mean, uh, Dr. Henry Jones, I guess, Sr., was uh, a big part of my uh, my childhood growing up. I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne, right? <laughs> It's a, it just uh, so many great quotes from that movie. I was the next man, right? When they're talking about Elsa uh, after they've both slept with her. Um, yeah, no, just Sean Connery in that movie is absolutely terrific. And of course, the other films. I mean, you can't just leave out the Untouchables for which he won an Oscar. You know, you put put one of our guys in the hospital. You put one of theirs in the morgue, right? They have uh, the man who would be king, which I believe also starred. Michael Caine and Christopher Plummer. That was a great movie in the in the seventies. Maybe his best role. Maybe like in terms of acting. Maybe right. Uh, the man who will be King. Terrific. Um, you know, The Rock certainly. Nicolas Cage and Ed Harris. Maybe one of the if if not the best action movie of all time. I mean, he was he had a cameo. I want to say in uh, the Kevin Costner. Uh, Robin Hood movie. I wonder if I wonder if that was because he was like friends with Kevin Costner. Now that I think about it, right? Remember they were in Untouchables together, and and then that movie. I wonder if that was it because I don't think he was credited in that movie. Uh, anyways, and then you know, Voice of Dragon, the, the dragon in Dragonheart, if you recall that. And then you know, I mean, there was also the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which came out in two thousand and three. But whatever, right? I mean, he just he has a filmography that is unparalleled, and it's kind of fun to remember them all from the the very excellent to the frankly bad, like like LXG. I guess is that's the that's the abbreviation LXG. I guess it's LEG, but I don't know. It seems like a superhero movie. L extraordinary seems like it would be like an X instead of an E, right? Let's go with LXG. But anyways, uh, R.I.P. to uh, the legendary. Sir Sean Connery, you will be uh, a greatly missed, though I'm sure. Uh, I saw someone tweet, I think it was Daniel Craig. Uh, I think he tweeted something like, or he, he was a statement that he put out via the Bond Twitter account, which is how I saw it. But it, it ended with him saying, wherever he is, I hope there's a golf course, which is just, <laughs> just phenomenal. So yeah, again, RIP to the legendary Sean Connery. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench, I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. James Bond. Let's get into uh, our three review films for today. Uh, I mentioned before, so three, two of them are from, I guess, about three weeks ago. Now, it could be longer because 
Time has no meaning for me anymore. I'm pretty sure I've said that before many times. Time is a flat circle. Time has no meaning. It all blends together. I have no idea what day of the week it is. All that stuff. I don't know if you guys are like that too because, you know, it's just... It, so it's weird, right? It's it, I, honestly, it feels like it's dark all the time now. <laughs> Daylight savings is is being gone, rolling back, right? Like fall back, spring forward, so we're falling back now. And I guess gaining an hour, but meaning the losing an hour of sunlight, I suppose, later in the day. But whatever. Uh, so I apologize if I've mentioned this before, but uh, the the three films we're going to be doing are Enola Holmes, which is the Netflix movie about the character, the titular character, Enola Holmes, the youngest sister of Mycroft and Sherlock Holmes. Uh, so that came out on Netflix, yeah, about, about three weeks ago. Uh, the Devil All the Time, which I believe is also a Netflix movie about, uh, I suppose that's about a lot of things, but about really this young man living in the southern United States and his experience with with death and and, I guess, just... A lot of different things as well. It's just a fascinating movie. Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, right? So we'll talk about that film in a sec here. Uh, and, of course, the newest one that came out, I think, just last week or a couple weeks ago, uh, On the Rocks, which is an Apple TV, uh, Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus uh, special, another streaming special, but again for Apple, uh, starring Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. Marlon Wayans is in it as well, but in a very minor way. But yes, we'll talk about On the Rocks as well. I think that movie actually premiered at the beginning of October, but because of how, you know, the theaters and VOD things work, it was in theaters for like a month or in theaters for three weeks, and it only came out on VOD on Apple's service uh, last week. So yeah, we'll talk about all three of those movies, but why don't we start with Enola Holmes, Netflix's latest Again, about the youngest member of the Holmes family, uh, Enola Holmes' youngest sister, uh, Mycroft and Sherlock. I think I wanted to start with Enola Holmes. I didn't really say this before, but I wanted to start with it because... Not because necessarily it's the best movie of these three, and I mean, now that I think about it, now that I've said that out loud, it very well might be. Uh, not because those other two are bad, but because Enola Holmes is actually quite good. But uh, because it's it's also kind of just, it, it's the most pleasant one to talk about, let's say. Because I think when it comes to Enola Holmes, it stars Millie Bobby Brown, starring as well uh, Sam Claflin and... Uh, Henry Cavill as her two older brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock, respectively. We'll get to them in a, in a little bit, but I just, I don't have a lot of experience watching Millie Bobby Brown because I think most people who are familiar with her watch her in Stranger Things, and Stranger Things, while I've heard it's very good, it never really appealed to me. I never watched that TV show beyond, I watched the very first episode from beginning to end, and despite the fact that Stranger Things is about a lot of things that I like, like the 80s culture and video games from that point in time and you know what else like rpgs like tabletop rpgs i know i'm a huge i'm a huge nerd i know you don't need to you know i know you guys are rolling your eyes i am aware i'm a huge i'm a huge old nerd but uh which is why i talk about movies on a podcast right but i just i don't know i haven't had a lot of exposure to her acting and uh i was very surprised or very pleased i should say to be surprised maybe is a better way because her acting is terrific. She's fantastic. Like, I genuinely think, based on what I saw out of Enola Holmes, that if Millie Bobby Brown is not an A-list, if she's not already, an A-list actor in Hollywood in the next 
you know, five to seven years as she gets a little older, I would be shocked because she is so fun. She's just fun. She's a fun actor to watch because, I don't know, she does everything so effortlessly. And I guess Enola Holmes is kind of built around emphasizing that. Like, she talks to the camera a lot. Like, the, the, the whole movie is built into breaking the fourth wall. So she talks to you, the viewer, directly, right? Often. The only character to do so, while everyone else is kind of kept in the dark. And it's fun. I gotta say, it's, it has a kind of like a cheeky, kind of winking type of thing. Even though, I know that kind of is kind of built in when everyone, anyone breaks the fourth wall. But it's done in such a fun way. Like, you're her confidant. Like she's writing in her diary, almost, talking to you, the viewer. And, and look, everyone else is fine, too. Like, Sam Claflin... I mentioned Henry Cavill. Oh, Helena Bonham Carter is her mother as well. And that's kind of the point of this movie. Her mother disappears mysteriously one day and uh, she sets off to find her mother uh, while her, her two brothers come from London to send her away to a boarding school, right? While their mother is, is missing and they're not in, they're really interested in finding her, but she is. So she runs away and, and has an adventure, basically, right? And like I mentioned, family, fr- family romp, pretty standard fare. Uh, but it's just like she makes everything more light, it's everything is so much lighter, and then on top of that, she has just um, an amazing chemistry with Henry Cavill. Now, he's not in the movie a lot, okay? If you're looking for Sherlock Holmes, as a lot of people would be, I imagine, I mean, that's kind of why Enola Holmes is even interesting at all, because she's, like, related to Sherlock, the famous detective, but if you're looking for Sherlock, you will be a little disappointed, because Sherlock is barely in this movie, I mean, because it's not about him, it's about Enola, but in the, the few times he is on screen... He, like Henry Cavill and Millie Bobby Brown, have such a fantastic chemistry that I would be shocked if there is not a if if, if there is a sequel. Like if this movie does well by whatever mysterious internal metrics Netflix uses, I would be shocked if there wasn't a sequel to this film. And if the sequel wasn't about a joint adventure between Enola and Sherlock, because they have just amazing it's like it's one of the better pairings you've probably seen in a movie in recent memory which is crazy right because it's a kids movie more or less uh and and yet it's just it's just great i i can't praise it enough henry cavill for his own in his own right is just a perfect sherlock holmes i just might just really like henry cavill right i liked him in the witcher obviously superman the man from Uncle, I mean, convinced me that he should be James Bond, even though it certainly seems that Tom Hardy's going to be the next James Bond, um, even though that hasn't been confirmed yet. But, I mean, whatever, that's a whole other conversation. But, uh, yeah, he just guy just has charisma oozing out of every pore in, on his body, and he is a terrific Sherlock, as he has been for everything else, right? So, I don't know. I, I really do think that whenever we do get a sequel, and Netflix does love to churn out movie sequels, um, he will be a, a very large part of it. But yeah, Millie Bobby Brown, just absolutely terrific. If she, again, to reiterate the point, if she is not a star in Hollywood very, very soon, I would be surprised. But yeah, the rest of the movie is, like I said, standard fare. You know, the, the it's, pacing is fine. The dialogue is a little quippy, but I mean, that's also fine. Some interesting action sequences on trains and the, the kind of male love interest for her, the, the cute boy she likes, uh, again, another teenager, um, also fine, right? It's all fine because it's none of it is anything you haven't seen before. You, you, if you listen to a podcast about movies, you're more than likely familiar with the the standard thoroughfare of those kinds of like that genre, I guess, right? Like for movies for for like for teenagers and for young adults. But and there's nothing wrong with that, right? I think the young adult genre appeals to a lot of people for a lot of reasons, including actual adults. 
Um, which is why I think I like this movie so much because it was a very easy, pleasant watch with good acting in it. So yeah, I think that's that's kind of I think I think that's kind of how in a, in a larger conversation how movies like The Hunger Games and I guess to a lesser extent you know Divergent and they had the remember they had the Maze Runner uh, movies as well. I mean some of those were worse than the others certainly, but th- like the reason for those movies being successful. Um, is because they all appeal to a lot of people on a very broad scale, and I think uh, Enola Holmes is that for sure. But yeah, takeaways for sure are that Millie Bobby Brown is fantastic, Henry Cavill makes a great Sherlock, and the two of them together would make an amazing movie. Plus, they don't have to explain all the backstory. They don't say, hey, here's a brother and a sister. They're off on an adventure. It's Sherlock and his equally brilliant younger sister, right? So I'd be, I'd be all for that movie, and I frankly, I can't wait for it to come out. Okay, let's get into our next film. We just did Enola Holmes, which of course is a Netflix movie, and we are going to be doing another Netflix movie. And in fact, I, I guess I will be doing a lot of that, right? And until the end of, I mean, I guess the end of the pandemic, which God knows how long that, that'll be. And uh, yeah, Netflix, Amazon, Apple, Hulu, I'm sure as well. But anyways, uh, for now, we'll stick with Netflix, as I mentioned, and we'll talk about The Devil All the Time, starring Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Sebastian Stan, Bill Skarsgård, Riley Keough, Jason Clark. Just a lot of people in this movie. So yeah, let's get, let's get into the review for The Devil all the time. Hug me closer, closer, mother. Put your arms around me It's hard to describe the plot of this movie, if only because it's kind of... Like, there are, there are a lot of time shifts, there are younger versions of characters, older versions of characters. It's not hard to follow. That's not what I mean. It is not hard to follow. It is very easy to follow. But, but, it is just it is simply... There's a lot going on. There are multiple competing stories. Now, I mentioned there are so many different actors. Right, again, Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Sebastian Stan, Riley Keough, uh, Jason Clark, Eliza Scanlon, Bill Skarsgård. I don't know if I said that already, but there you go. <laughs> uh, and uh, there's a narrator as well. And actually, it's funny. The, the narrator is uh, Donald Ray Pollock. Now, I don't think that's someone that movie fans would necessarily know, but... It is the reason it's significant is because this movie is based on a on a book by the same name, The Devil All the Time, and Donald Ray Pollock is the author of the book, right? So it's kind of cool they got the author to serve as the film's narrator. And I guess like it's basically about if you want to boil it down, it's about really about Tom Holland, and you kind of learn the circumstances uh, around kind of some tragic circumstances around his father and his mother. Um, and kind of their life, their lives, and, and then they die, and then it kind of fast forwards for the most of the movie uh, to see uh, Tom Holland's character himself, uh, Arvin, and you know it's about Arvin and his relationship with his kind of I think his half sister, his 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 sister essentially. I, I, let's not complicate it, right? For all for all intents and purposes, his sister and her relationships, and the movie is just very sordid, right? Like, there's a lot of violence, like there's a lot of like sexual fetishes and people getting skinned and left to die in war and people like a lot of rape lots of rape so if that's something that 
you know, you that really you cannot watch, and I don't blame you if that's a thing you don't want to watch, then do not watch this movie. Suicide is a topic t- touched on here as well, so if that's another topic that you feel, you know, it's a very strong feeling for you, then do not watch this as well, because, again, a lot of that, lots of murder, tons of murder. So, again, if you can't watch, if you don't like watching that kind of thing, I would not suggest watching The Devil all the time. Um, and, and, yeah, it's just it's just one of those movies where... Everything is about death or violence in some in some way, shape, or form. And I guess it, the movie really is about how death and violence shapes people differently and how people deal with it. And I guess that's why it's even called the devil all the time, because he's present everywhere and, and, and dealing with people and so on. I don't know. It's just, the movie is just so dour, and I, I use the word sordid already, and yet it's pretty boring. Isn't that funny? It's boring. It's 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 just... Like, who would have thought that a movie that has this much gunplay and weirdo fetish stuff and all the really kind of triggery type of topics I mentioned before, who would have thought that it's boring, right? Like, I, I mentioned all those actors. All of them are fine, but some of them are kind of wasted. Like, Jason Clark doesn't really do that much. Riley Keough doesn't really do that much. Bill Skarsgård, I really enjoy him. Remember, he was the clown in the, in the uh, remake of of it like it part one or it chapter one it chapter two or whatever also didn't really do that much he was fine but again didn't do that much the two that i think stand out in this movie i will say tom holland and robert pattinson now again tom holland arvin russell and he kind of grows up kind of violently again the circumstances of his father's death his mother's death a lot of a lot of death in this kid's life and it kind of troubles him a little bit right and then he feels he has to take care of his his sister who is being bullied right um eliza scanlon is the sister i mentioned her as well she was if you guys remember actually she was in uh uh, little women she was the sister who like passes away at the end of little women so she didn't have a lot of lines in that movie but a lot more in this but yeah so she gets bullied and so he kind of tries to protect her and then robert pattinson who i think actually is the most interesting because tom holland's character and again i think tom holland is a very good actor and i think this movie does allow him to show off a bit of his acting chops but it's a lot of it again to use the word dower a lot of it is him kind of just being like yeah okay then well hello there mr russell how are you doing huh mr t god reverend you know and everyone speaks like that by the way everyone has those southern accents but uh yeah it's just a it's very like muted performance let's say right like violence bubbling under the surface type thing with robert pattinson again reverend preston teagarden he is a very charismatic but uh morally bankrupt let's say preacher who uh seduces young women and sleeps with them and uh, you know he you can kind of see where this is going as with as it relates to arvin and his family and yeah he's just like a sleazy mean awful guy who takes advantage of people when he has a position of power uh because i think this movie takes place largely in the 60s right i think the stuff with the dad like bill skarsgård's character who is who plays arvin's dad that largely takes place kind of the end of world war ii and then in the 50s kind of beginning and end of 50s and then the main storyline takes place in the 60s and yeah it's just he like their performances are so wildly different uh, but but very varied. I mean, Robert Pattinson again, the charismatic preacher. There's a there's a part. It's pretty funny that I saw some people kind of ripping him on Twitter and so on because he apparently allegedly I don't know if this is true or not, but he allegedly turned down an accent coach because of course Robert Pattinson 
is uh, English, and he had to do kind of a heavy Southern accent. And he turned down an acting coach slash accent coach because he felt like he could do it. And the result is in this movie, and again, I don't know if that story is true, but the result in this movie is such that he has kind of an accent that sounds like it's from nowhere. Right? Like it doesn't really sound like it's from anywhere. I'm, and again, I'm not claiming to know... Uh, you know, where if someone is from West Virginia based on their accent or if they're from Louisiana based on their accent, because I don't know, right? I mean, based on other than just watching movies, right? But uh, I don't like, I can't pinpoint it necessarily, but it is a, I guess, just a directionless Southern accent. And it's interesting because I feel like the reading of that could be simply that Robert Pattinson didn't want an acting coach and it was a weirdo accent in the end. But you could also read it that because this guy is a morally bankrupt, awful person who is kind of a, a snake oil salesman, basically, he might not even have an accent. Like, maybe that isn't his real accent and that he's just putting that on because he is actually from nowhere. I, find, I just find it interesting. That's an interesting reading. And again, I don't know if that's intentional, but it's a, it's a, it's a way to look at the film. So let's go with that, right? Because, because like I said, other, other than that, the film is kind of boring. It's kind of dull. I, I would love to hear what you guys think because, honestly... All I was looking for, because again, like I mentioned, Donald Ray Pollock is the author of the book and also the narrator of the movie. He has, I think, kind of an accent as well. And really, I was just waiting for the narrator at some point just to say, well, you know, down here in West Virginia, they got the devil all the time. <laughs> and and you know what? I swear to God, he says that in the movie. Like, not, not quite in th- that way, but he says... In his southern accent, he says, towards the beginning of the movie, as he's kind of talking over a scene, he actually says, the devil all the time. And all I can think of, after the movie, I feel like I said that phrase for a week. I just, every time, you know, my roommate did something bad, I'd be like, well, boy, you you really got the devil all the time. (laughs) Oh, God. It's probably not funny. It's probably just really stupid, in fact, and you guys are shaking your head at me doing the impression, the devil all the time. But, uh... I can't resist. It's uh, it's too fun because, frankly, it's the most fun part of this movie. Because again, dour, sordid, extremely violent, extremely uh, weird and perverted, but um, lots of death, lots of killing. Like my God, Arvin kills like I don't even. I think I lost count. I think he kills like like five or six people at the end of this movie. By the end of this movie, and I guess they're all like for good reason. I guess, but at the same time, it's just like, <sighs> you know, I just I. Uh, this is boring. I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah, I would, I would love to hear your, your thoughts on the devil all the time because it is, it feels like it's all over the place, just like this review. So I suppose, in a way, that's fitting. All right, last movie on the docket uh, for this episode on the rocks, as I mentioned, an Apple again. Is it Apple TV Plus? Is it just Apple Plus? That sounds wrong, too. I'm, I'm not sure. I'll be completely honest. Anyways, the Apple Premium Movie and TV Service, their streaming service, whatever it's called, uh, they created On the Rocks, again, starring Rashida Jones and Bill Murray, and directed by Sofia Coppola, definitely the most famous director uh, of any of the three movies we're talking about. So, yeah, without further ado, here's the review for On the Rocks. <laughs> interesting things about On the Rocks is that 
this might be the new normal for movies as we go forward in a in a very uh, continuingly, increasingly movieless world. Like I think this movie came out in theaters at the beginning of October. Now here in Canada, here in Toronto, uh, I think this movie came out yeah October second or October third, and it only came out on VOD, video on demand, on October twenty third. So. I think that it's interesting to think that that might be the new normal for relatively big releases going forward. Of course, this is the latest from Sofia Coppola and A24, um, but re- being released on Apple TV, right? Apple Apple TV Plus, is that what it's actually called? Apple TV? Because I think Apple TV is like an actual hardware product, but uh, I can never tell with Apple, right? But either way, it is a streaming service product and um, starring Rashida Jones, Bill Murray, Marlon Wayans. Uh, and yeah, Marlon Wayans isn't really in this movie. I should say you're not going to see this movie for Wayans. You're going to see this movie for Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. But yeah, it's just interesting to think that the the way this release was first in theaters for a couple of weeks, and then a streaming service for I guess just in in perpetuity going forward is kind of how things will be going forward for now. Anyway, so on the rocks, yeah, Sofia Coppola. I think this movie. I've seen a lot of people compare it. Because uh, I think it was also screened at the New York Film Festival, I believe. And I've seen some people compare it to a Woody Allen movie. And I, I kind of agree. Like, I kind of do. Certainly not Woody Allen movies that he makes now, right? Maybe very early Woody Allen. But I guess that's kind of kind of insinuated. But either way, this movie is probably the most... Probably the most accessible Sofia Coppola movie, if that makes sense, right? Like, you look at the other movies she's done, like, look at the other really famous ones, The Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation, both very, very good films as well, no doubt. And I I just think this movie is definitely the most accessible of them. It also kind of feels like it's maybe the most... Ooh, I don't know what the right word is. Corporate of them? And And I don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing. It just presents everything in a way that does not feel relatable to me personally, right? Like, I think different people with different backgrounds might view On the Rocks and perhaps have different readings of it based on their lives. Like, for example, Rashida Jones. Now, this movie, I guess I should give an an overview of the plot real quick. And as you might imagine, it's a very simplistic plot. Rashida Jones, her character, Laura... Uh, is married to Dean, and that Dean is played by Marlon Wayans. And the plot, in a nutshell, is really she, after some time, because the movie kind of starts out with her on their uh, wedding night, Dean and Laura on their wedding night, and then it fast-forwards to present day, where she's kind of picking up after their kids. And she has, for whatever reason, grown dissatisfied with her own life. She is uh, maybe paranoid because of her work as a, a writer that is not going so well. And Dean, her attractive husband, is uh, often a successful uh, business venture. I think he's some kind of entrepreneur. It's never really quite clear, actually, what he's doing. He just talks about like engagement, social media engagement, and and accounts management, and I don't know who knows what he actually does. But uh, it, it, I don't think it really matters. It's just that he is successful, and she feels like she is not. And uh, after some kind of what I think end up being chance encounters, he she believes that he is cheating on her, and so she enlists the help. Um, not so kind of reluctantly enlists the help of her father, Felix, of course, played by Bill Murray, to uh, kind of track down Dean and see if they can really find any evidence of him actually cheating on her, right? So that's kind of it. It's a story about potential infidelity, 
But it's also a story at its heart about the relationship between not just Laura and Dean, but Laura and Felix. And, uh, of course, a father-daughter kind of dramedy, right? In that sense, I feel like it's kind of a more successful version of Like Father. Remember that movie with uh, Kelsey Grammer and Kristen Bell? And, I mean, like, I thought that movie kind of borderline sucked, which is unfortunate because I, I like Kelsey Grammer and I like Kristen Bell. But this is, yeah, it is a more of a lighter, more thoughtful version of Like Father. Um, and, yeah, I mean, acting-wise... They are both great, Rashida Jones with the kind of, as the foil to the zany, kind of out there, flirtatious, uh, flamboyant Felix, right, for from Bill Murray, which I guess is something you come to expect from him, and he's funny, and it's just, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the co- comedic lines from Bill Murray kind of mask his, like the character's misogyny he talks a lot about how women like he can't you can't hear women's voices and, and things like that and i think you you kind of laugh like ha 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 right like you're not supposed you're not really i feel like supposed to find it endearing even though you do because it's bill murray anyways it's uh it's an interesting story and i think it's really about how bill murray's character felix is is kind of essentially a lonely old man and you learn that he of course uh, the reason the reason Laura herself even thinks that her husband is is being uh, not faithful is because her father was not faithful to her mother, and that is a core a core piece of their story. I won't spoil too much of that because some of the dialogue and some of the scenes, especially towards the end of the movie, uh, are uh, are pretty interesting to see between Jones and Murray. But yeah, I don't know this movie. Like Sofia Coppola presents the movie. In a sense where, it again, I, at the beginning, kind of got sidetracked, doesn't feel very relatable, right? And what I mean by that is Laura and Dean live in a giant apartment in the middle of New York City. Like, this movie takes place, I think, like 95% in New York, like in, in Manhattan, I believe. I'm, I've only been to New York, what, like twice? I think I've been to New York once when I was nine and once a couple years ago. <laughs> so I'm not super familiar with New York, but yes, Manhattan, it certainly seems like it, the downtown core at least. And... Yeah, I don't know. It, it's just, everything is so bougie, you know? Like, they have a giant apartment, and, you know, she's a struggling writer, and she has, like, a almost like a farcical room where she does her writing, and she, you know, kind of readjusts things on the fly, and their kids are not allowed in there. They have two kids, two little ones, and they're, they're not involved in that. It's just, it, like, they have space for uh, a family of four, a married couple with two young children, to have all the space in the world in the middle of downtown New York, and she's like kind of unhappy about it. Maybe also because I should mention as well, I kind of talked about the new normal. When I'm watching new movies these days, I feel like you kind of view it through the lens of the pandemic, if that makes sense, right? And I feel like for this movie... They go to a lot of fancy bars, whether it's Laura and Felix or Laura and Dean. There's a lot of people around. A lot of this movie is about, like, meeting new people and seeing people in interesting environments. And it's like, that's not something I or I feel like a lot of movie viewers have been doing over the last little while. So it, it was kind of jarring. And maybe that's why it kind of took me out of it a little bit. It's it's funny, too, right? Because New York is presented, and again, I mentioned, again, I'm not familiar with the city, but it's presented like they go to places that are, are fancy, right? Like, they go to some a bunch of different fancy bars, um, Some and they, they say the names of these bars very often. And for all I know, they're fake. But, I mean, again, for all I know, they're real, too. And they're all very, like, very nice upscale bars. And it's very clear that Laura comes from money, and Dean is successful, and he has money. And their father, Felix, is an art dealer, so he is very wealthy as well. There's even a scene where you meet uh, Laura's mother uh, and her sister, 
and they're like at some house in the Hamptons, I want to say, like somewhere in upstate New York. And it's not really explained what they do or why they're really there. Or it wasn't even immediately clear that Laura's talking to her sister or her mom at one point. Immediately, honestly, I wasn't 100% sure who they were because they don't really make reference to those characters right away. And it just, I don't know what the point of that scene other was other than to show that they are all extremely wealthy, right? Anyway, so, and, and then on top of that, yeah, New York is presented in this dreamy kind of almost not real way outside of like very fancy bars and restaurants. I, I don't have a problem with that. There's no actual issue with that. It's just funny to think about because that's not something that's really come to my mind in the last eight months, right? Like, but because of the pandemic. But I think that is a, a distinctive an intentional choice by Sofia Coppola because, you know, people always say, oh, the city is as much a character as any of the other actual characters, which always kind of, and I'm sure I've said that before, and always kind of makes me laugh these days, but I, I feel like that is done intentionally here, and it's just accentuated by the pandemic because, because again, there's no mention of the pandemic in this movie because, of course, it took place, but it was filmed before the pandemic, obviously. It's just, it's hard not to view it with that lens, but, uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting film, I gotta say. I mean, the it's uh, first of all the whole Apple TV thing. Um, watching it on VOD just weeks after it came out in theaters. The acting is pretty decent with Rashida Jones and Bill Murray, and I, I I've always liked Rashida Jones. Um, Jenny Slate has some interesting uh, appearances as well as kind of a, a friend of Laura's, um, whose name whose character oh I don't I remember whose name I don't remember, but either way it's just you can kind of see as the the conversations with this woman are interspersed throughout the film they they become increasingly more one sided as Laura kind of retreats within herself kind of thinking that she's no good and that her husband doesn't want her and so on but it, it, i got to say it's, it has it has a surprisingly i think some people might not find the resolution of this film satisfying i personally did but um i think because as, as at its core it's not really about the infidelity uh, suppose it or not it's it's about the relationship between this father and his daughter a lonely older man and his adult daughter right so i think that's really what i think you should be looking at this film through the lens of when you think about the relationships but i mean hey if you have another takeaway i'd love to hear it because i think you can read this movie in a number of different ways but yeah on the rock sofia coppola's latest film maybe it was it was a decent watch i think i would say wait for netflix but it's not going to be ever be on netflix because it's an apple tv movie but if you get the chance uh, i definitely recommend a watch i'd probably give it a i know i don't really give number grades but i'd probably give it like a a middle of the pack grade because it, it was good it, pacing was off at times but i mean at the end an interesting story and some good performances from people like rashida jones and bill murray that is it for movie reviews in this episode. I know the Devil All the Time and Enola Holmes are from, I think actually from like the middle of September. So uh, now that I think about it. So, you know, I will be a little more current when we get out the next couple of episodes. Because, you know what, there are a lot of movies coming out now. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the trailer for that Songbird movie. If you haven't, maybe maybe don't watch it if the pandemic is, has been something that has really gotten to you. Because it is essentially about the pandemic in a world like in 10 years where millions and millions and millions of people have died and you know the world has basically become an apocalyptic apocalyptic awful wasteland and all the different aspects of that so it's a produced by Michael Bay I don't think he directed it just produced it but either way yeah it's a it's just an interesting a lot of people kind of had the reaction like well, why do we want this? It's the pandemic, which is awful, and it's ruining our lives, and now they're making a movie about it. Mark my words, you're going to see a lot more things like that. Like, in a, in 10 to 15 years, when we are past the pandemic, we're going to look back, and people are going to be like, well, 
guess we'll just make movies about the pandemic now. Well, psychological thrillers about people set inside, entirely inside one apartment unit or in an apartment building. And of course, as I say that, it freaks me out because I'm now looking over my shoulder. No one's standing behind me because I am in a, <laughs> an apartment building. But anyways, uh, yeah, Songbird, that's coming out soon. Love and Monsters, that already came out. Again, another VOD movie. Um, with the guy who uh, starred in the Percy Jackson movies, if you recall. actor's name escapes me at the moment, but <laughs> that's, uh, that's him. Uh, and a couple other movies as well. Uh, two films that we'll definitely talk about on the next episode. For sure will be on the next episode. And I actually do think I'll, I'll get another one out in a couple of weeks because I don't want to fall too far behind as we get into November here. Um, but two movies I want to talk about will end up being, I think, uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7, another Netflix movie. And actually, funnily enough, I guess the big link between that will be Sasha Baron Cohen because I want to talk about Borat 2, which I actually think is called Borat Subsequent Movie Film. And it's crazy, right? I mean, Borat's such a cultural touchstone with the whole, you know, you like and my life, right? And people people love that kind of thing. Wah, wah, wee, wah, right? So I, I'm sure that'll be a big part of uh, whatever we do. Me doing those those impressions, just like, like I just did, will be a big part of the next episode. So, uh, yeah, you'll have that to look forward to, just like you devil all the time right so <laughs> uh this is where we're at people okay 2020 this is where we're at okay uh and yeah maybe i, I won't talk about the mandalorian i was going to talk about that a little bit but that's not a movie it's not a movie i'm sorry uh it was 54 minutes though the first episode and it was very good so you know if you like star wars like i do because again i'm a huge nerd i uh, hardly recommend that as well but not a movie so we won't talk about it um, and of course, like I mentioned, Ammonite, Nomadland, a lot of movies on the uh, on the on the very near horizon. It feels like so. We'll talk about that as well. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. As always, to the Showtime Movie Podcast, uh, please leave uh, comments, reviews. If you liked it, a uh, five star rating would be absolutely terrific because. Who doesn't like that kind of thing? But uh, yes, I always love talking about movies with you guys. So until next time, again, thank you for listening. I hope you stay safe out there. And as always, have a good night. My dear girl, there are some things that just aren't done, such as drinking Dom Perignon 53 above a temperature of 38 degrees Fahrenheit. That's as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs.